Primary Purpose Big Book Studies Group, Thursday Night Alcoholics and God, Speaker Step Series. Um, now let's have our joke by Ryan. I'm Ryan. I'm a recovered alcoholic. What do you do? What do you call it when an inmate gets tased? What? Shaka Khan. <laughs> I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Alex. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, in a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Turn off all devices that make noise and might and will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost sick and dying can find your love through me amen there is a solution from big book page 17 the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution we have a way out on which we can absolutely agree upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action this is the great news the book carries to those who still suffer from alcoholism i've asked megan to read appendix 2 spiritual experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Um, hi, I'm uh, Megan, a recovered alcoholic. 
Spirit, <laughs> spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about a recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Uh, yet it is true that our first printing gave, gave uh, many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is, is, is erroneous. <clears throat> in the first few chapters, a number of sudden uh, revolutionary changes are described. Uh, though it was not our intention to create such an impression, uh, many alcoholics have uh, nevertheless con concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that, that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, uh, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Uh, most emphatically, uh, we wish to say that that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can uh, recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Megan. All right. Well, please refrain from disturbing others by, uh, you know, moving around, doing crazy things. Um, just sit still and try to pay attention. <laughs> All right, uh, so tonight we have Doc. He's on his fifth session. Uh, he's going through the traditions, and I wish I could give you some insight onto what it's going to be like, but I'm not all that familiar with the traditions in depth like he's going through. So with that, I give you Doc. Listen to that. Thank you. So blessed to be here. Doc Alcoholic, thank God they wrote it down. Because we don't have to make it up. We don't have to go searching through all sorts of other texts to find what was specifically written for us and our lives today, tomorrow, and forever. It's awesome. Um, what we've been doing thus far, if you haven't been, hello, everyone across in the room and everyone across the world, the nation, to all my friends uh, from times before and from contemporary times. I'm so glad to be here. 
Um, what we've been doing is we've been discussing the traditions as they apply to us individually. That, of course, they apply to the group, um, but like Tradition 4 said last week that on page uh, 146 of the 12 and 12, it says, we saw that the group, exactly like the individual, must eventually to conform. Bill Wilson had said in the grapevine that uh, the traditions were meant for us to be used individually in our lives because he said, how do you expect a group to be able to do these things if you can't do them individually on your own? I've mentioned several times that the first time that was told to me back in Phoenix was someone said, hey, what about that seventh tradition? Are you living that one yourself? And I thought, oh my God, right? Am I completely financially independent? It, uh, wow. And then I started looking at others. And, and the next one I saw was really tradition 10 that said, you know, I'm not... And, and, and I had this said to me, and I, I had the, the other day, really, I'm not allowed to have an opinion on outside uh, uh, events and, 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 and uh, topics. And, and I would say it's the same. It was told to me, no, it's the same as alcoholism. It's not that I can't go out and get drunk on Friday night now. It's that I don't have to go out and get drunk on Friday night. And so Tradition 10 allows me to not have to have opinion on outside issues, as does Tradition 5. Tradition 5 is so filled with wildly wonderful esoteric stuff uh, that I'm just going to have to to focus on a couple of things. Um, I also read today, I like to reread the tradition fresh the same day I'm going to speak about it uh, because we live... We celebrate all these years, and for some of us, decades, but we live in a 24-hour rotation, and it, it really helps my life to do that, too, right? That, that tomorrow's another day, and it doesn't have to start at midnight. Uh, my sponsor would say, you know, you're feeling, feeling down, and it's 1045, so you be self-centered and pitiful for 50 more minutes, go ahead and wallow in that. And then start your new day at 10 a.m. or at, at 11 a.m., right? 15 minutes, hit 11, start a new day. And I tried that, and it was awesome. It was great. That kind of stuff worked for me all the time. I'm really glad that my God, as far as I understand him, set up a whole system of this 24-hour day. It even goes the whole planet has times when it goes dark, and then it, it's light again. It goes through this, this thing that we do as alcoholics, right? That we, we come in all dark and then we're, we're, we're turned into the light, you know? And then it's, we're transformed day after day after day after day. And it's great. I'm so glad that we live one day at a time. So I, so I like to read it the same day. And, and I also read uh, um, Bob's uh, Grapevine. Uh, article on this, and I believe that was published. You can look it up at silkworth.net. Uh, it's, okay, I'm going to just break the rules for a second and go online. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I, I shouldn't, but I will, because I'm a deviant from, from the word go. All right, just to let you know where you can find this, 
It's um, Silkworth.net, and uh, this was April of 1948, and it's about the uh, about Tradition Five. Okay, so I'll I'll go off now. Okay, good. So you can look that up, and and it it doesn't tell the story of the Irishman. And by the way, I, I got to address that. I love that. Right? We were talking about that before the uh, before the meeting. That in in 2020, right now, mid 2020, May of 1920, or 19, 1920, <laughs> in May of 1920, um, we're going through some crazy stuff worldwide. We're going through some crazy stuff uh, uh, in the United States. Um, however, AA has hit the ground running, stood up strong, and uh, just like what it what the, the the twelve and twelve talks about the fear we had of World War II, would we lose our guys out there in the foxholes? No, we find out later that they were stronger than other soldiers, and that they came back stronger than if they hadn't gone. You know, more dedicated. To, to what this program is all about. And, and I think that's what's happening here today. But I just think it's great that this whole story in, in today's uh, uh, society, they would not have called him a stubborn Irishman, right? Which is, I know for, just in my heart, that that's not the word they used. Because back in, in the 30s and 40s, even the 50s, Every American ethnic group had its great little little nickname, right? Its bad little nickname. And now today you use them. They're, they're just so obsolete that, that like only the grandpa Irishman would know what you were talking about if you used the, the word. But I just think it's so funny that, that you know, we, I guess we would call it like almost racist at this point to go an Irishman. Oh, yeah, all Irishmans are drunk. Well, no, just the red-headed Irishmen <laughs> in trucks, <laughs> right? And I, I, I apologize to my Irish friends that, you know, they use the F word all the time, so I can't speak Irish to them without using the F word. Um, but I just find that really funny. We're not, we're not going to talk about that, um, about that story. Uh, I am going to take one little quote out of there. But, but the first thing, shoemaker, stick to thy last. Right? What the hell does that mean? You know? What the hell does that mean? Well, for those of you who have heard me speak before, you know I'm big on words. I think words have power. I think not only when I was young, you know, when I got in here young, when I was, and I mean newcomer young, uh, they would say, well, you need a dictionary next to the big book and the 12 and 12. Any words you don't know, you look them up. But today we have supercomputers in our pocket. Not only can you look up the word, you can look up the etymology to find out where the word came from, how it was formed, how many hundreds of years ago it, it started to become in use and why it was in use. And you'll, it'll, it's just a fountain of information out of one book. Well, alas, uh, those of you out in the West, and God bless my Phoenix brothers and sisters, um, those of you who have had cowboy boots made know what alas is. Because you get to go in, and they, they pick up, they look, they measure your foot, and there's all these wooden sort of feet, right? They don't have toes and stuff, but they're like a shoe tree, but they're made to build shoes around or cowboy boots around. And they find the perfect set that will match your feet, both this way, this way, and this way. It's not just this way, not just length and width, but height, everything. 
So when you spend some money on good custom-made cowboy boots, they'll last you a lifetime. Or good custom-made shoes, they'll last you a lifetime. I've got Italian shoes that, that I had the soles replaced like four times because the shoes are perfect. And it just as you wear them down, you just get them replaced. That's what a last is. It's a mold. It's sort of a, a, a mold that you build the shoe around. So when it says shoemaker, stick to thy last, he's saying, if you, you've got one model here, right? Don't start making it a little bit different. Stick to exactly what you have here. Keep focused. Don't start thinking, you know, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll just give him a little extra toe room here. No, no, dude, don't even think. Don't be creative. Stick to the model of success, right? This model, this last, it's called, right, is, is the key to success. Well, oddly enough, that word key shows up several times in Tradition 5. If we go to page 151... It says, the only thing that matters, that's pretty important, <laughs> right? If, if, if we're all sitting here and eh, discussing this and that and what we should do in our group and what we do individually, and then we start getting off on uh, what we should do socially, because all of us have Batman in us, right? All of us are the Batman. All of us are justice. All of us are the watchmen, right? All of us go, I am not going to put up with that any longer. I will stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. Right? Especially, now I used to do that. I used to be both, this is, this is diabolic is a good word for it, right? Diablo. Based on Diablo. You create a turmoil and then you're the hero to settle the turmoil. Right? That was a night at the bar with Doc. <laughs> right? You don't know who. Hervé, what was his name? Deplain, Deplain. Hervé. Okay, he was a little person on Fantasy Island in the 80s, right? So I'm so drunk in this bar that Hervé, over here at another table, sends his bodyguard over to tell me to be quiet because I'm scaring him from the bar to his private table. So, now, what, what would you do? <laughs> Not as a sober person, as a drunk, self-centered person. Hey, I'm buying drinks just like everybody. And I need to make myself known, right? I need to stand up for myself, right? So what would you do? You would go over to the table and use expletives to explain that I have every right to be as loud as I want in this bar, just because God made you small and made me large, doesn't give you the right to tell me to be quiet, right? So I basically shouted down uh, a famous TV star who was, you know, a quarter my weight. Right? Because I stand for justice. <laughs> right? Whether it's justice for me, or like I've seen a guy not tip a waitress, and then I would go snag him by the collar and drag him back into the bar, right? I mean, I was just a not a nice guy. <laughs> I was a cactus, <laughs> or at least part of a cactus, right? That's not us. 
The only thing that matters. It's not that I, it matters that I stand up for human rights, whether in this country or another country. Do you know that it's legal for eight and nine-year-olds to work a full day of labor in the United States? You thought we had complete child labor laws, right? No, it's legal to do that if you meet the requirements. And the requirements are basically that you're a temporary worker in the field of agriculture. So if you come from Mexico and you bring your kids, obviously you're not going to have them in daycare and you need all the money you can make. You are allowed by law to put your 8, 9, 10-year-old in the field cutting lettuce. Stop that. Right. Stop that. I am Cesar Chavez now. <laughs> right? Does that make your blood boil? Hold on, hold on. That's not what matters, right? It says right here. The only thing that matters is, the only thing that matters is, do you know it's legal in many states for children to be married? Children. Eight, nine, ten-year-old, an eleven-year-old child. You know, in, in, in Florida, everything happens in Florida, right? It, it, you want to start the weirdest story in the news? Here's how they all start. A Florida man, right? <laughs> A Florida man, dot, 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 right? It's legal two ways. If her parent signs off on it, and who is going to want to put an 11-year-old into a marriage situation? Her parents, right? So it's, it's, it's pretty nasty that they can go, oh, yeah, so I'm the one that can do it? Good, gone. Or if someone has sex with an 11-year-old, that's by statute rape, unless she gets pregnant. And then the judge can say, you can marry her. And then there's, we will dismiss the statutory rape charge. That's ungodly. Let's come on. As a group, let's go protest that. There's nobody in the United States that thinks that's a good idea, right? Let's go take care of that. No, 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 wait, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because it says right here, the only thing that matters is, right? Why doesn't that matter? It matters to the rest of the world. But we are not the world. We are the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are one body. We are different parts of that one body. And every single part of this body, which is estimated in the United States and Canada to be about 2,200,000, estimated. We don't have accurate, right? Because we can only tell by the amount of, of contributions that are made. Um, so about 22 with zeros behind it. For us, the only thing that matters is he, you, me, us. We is an alcoholic who has found a key to sobriety. That's the only thing that matters. As you sit in your chair, or if you're not really attending this meeting and you're lying in your bed, <laughs> oh my God. Do you know that people are showing up to court, Zoom room courts, and a Florida man was <laughs> reprimanded by a judge because he's a lawyer and he showed up online in an online court without a shirt. 
If you're going to attend a meeting, I would suggest, see, like I dress like I'm going to be at a meeting because I need to be at a meeting. I don't need to lay in my bed and listen. That's what, that's what recordings are for. Let's attend. Let's feel the God, our higher power, that is generated worldwide when two or more of us in agreement who have the key come together. It happens. Think about in your time zone how many people are saying the Lord's Prayer at exactly the same time in all those states. Right? That's awesome. Because we so many meetings start and end at the same time. It's amazing. There are millions of people all at once holding hand saying the Lord's Prayer. Not that the Lord's Prayer is amazing. What's amazing is that all those people, the only thing that matters is that we are alcoholic and we have found a key to sobriety. You know what we have of worth? I have nothing of worth. I'm big on meditation these days. I'm nothing. I'm a, I'm a filthy... My plans are as filthy rags. Right? I'm nothing. I am empowered by a higher power. I can call myself, as the big book in the 12 and 12, a child of God only when I work completely for God. I am spiritually a nonprofit now. I'm not financially, spiritually. I, but God's given me the ability through these books, four of them, right? Big book, little book. <laughs> Big book, 12 and 12. Varieties of Religious Experiences by William James and the Bible. The, the books they used before they wrote the big book. Those four books have given me an insight to, and a practice through meditation, through prayer, and through an action of living, as my friend Steve A. in Phoenix, Arizona, told me when I first got sober. He'd go, you come to the meeting tonight? I said, well, I'll try. And he looked at me and then just walked away. He goes, if you're trying, you're dying. And he walked off. And walking off hurt me more than if you'd have said something nasty about me or, or kicked me or anything. It was like, oh my God, because this was the guy that the second meeting I came to, he remembered my name. I, I was dumbfounded. I came to a meeting and it's a bunch of people I don't know and I really don't want to be there and I don't understand anything about, this was, this was CA and I went to CA not because I wasn't an alcoholic, but because it said all mind-altering substances. And in 1990, that's where younger people were. Older guys were smoking cigarettes at AA. So I just went there, you know. But, but AA is where I am today because this, this is where God put me today. I flourished there for a while. I've flourished otherwhere, but this is where God keeps me today. And in that second meeting, I walked in and he goes, Hey, you're Doc, right? I was just like, oh, son of a gun. Right? I mean, it means nothing to you and me. I mean, nothing to the world. Excuse me. Nothing to the world. But to you and me, man, I'm a fish out of water. I'm meant to be drinking. I'm meant to be loaded. And I'm not loaded. And I walk into a room, and they, somebody remembered my name. Wow. You know, you know, that's what this tradition is about. Each group 
And we are the group. So each member, boom, 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 boom. All of us, each group has but one primary purpose. To carry its message. What's the message? That you do not have to drink anymore. You do not have to drink anymore. There's a message after that. And I'll get to that message in a minute. But right now, to carry its message to whom? The alcoholic who still suffers. Well, do you have to go out of the room? Mostly, but I know sufferers in the room. My brother walked in today. I go, what's wrong? No. What's wrong? Nothing. Well, it's okay. Who hurt your heart? Ah, it's not a big deal. Who hurt your feelings? Well, you know, it's a woman, like usual. I go, so what's going on? Well, I'm in the middle of writing my four-step. Booyah! <laughs> Perfect. Exactly what you're supposed to be feeling. Right? And then we talked about what the book says. Yeah, but you are no longer that person. The book says, by this time, we feel you have been forgiven. Awesome. But see, there was a little bit of suffering right there when I walked in. Just a little bit, right? Wasn't bad, but it is suffering. Suffering brings you closer to God. Suffering is awesome. We want suffering. You know, we don't want pain. I think that saying that pain is mandatory and suffering is optional is backwards. Right? Because the seventh step says that humility will cure pain, will, will, will remove the pain. We don't want pain. Said we ran from pain like it was a plague, a zombie apocalypse. Dare I say, a virus. <laughs> Ooh, now he's political. What? I don't get this anymore. I don't get this. Right? I'm, you just lost me. Such a weird world for all of them. But for us, it's crystal clear. We have one purpose. We have one purpose, and that is to carry a message. We carry it, we don't sell it. Right? We know that. We don't sell it. Every day I think about the hundreds of guys that came in to be sponsored or mentored and then either ran screaming jumped off the side of the boat to get loaded, or just disappeared, right? Then they show up two years later, like, and, and you see them at a meeting, they're like, oh, hey, man, how you been? What does that mean? I've been going to meetings, what are you talking about? I've been sober, ease up, ease up, right? I want to call those guys, but you know what? God says, that, why waste your time just because you love them and you're concerned about them, why waste that time and effort? They know where you are. They've heard the message. <laughs> I was talking to, to my buddy driving here uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and I said, you know, it, it, it might have been. I never thought. See, when I got sober 30 years ago, they didn't tell me this word relapse. I never heard that word. Because in 1990, I just didn't know what that was. There wasn't a big industry built around that word, right? That word makes a lot of people money. Every time you relapse, ching, I can hear cash registers go off, right? But I can't fight that because it, like the book says, that's, that doesn't really matter. <laughs> but what does matter is like, they didn't tell me, so I stayed sober. I thought if I, if I, if I drank or got loaded, they would kick me out and I would lose the fellowship. And I really dug the fellowship. 
Remember, it started with one man, Steve A., remembering my name, right? And then after that, there was a party on a Friday night in the mountains, out in the desert, the mountainous desert, and everything was there, music, chicks, dudes, dancing, fun, hooking up, everything, except the keg was missing. That was the only thing that wasn't there, right? So when I woke up Saturday morning, the first thought I had was what I always have after a kegger. Oh, my God. Who do I owe an apology to? Who do I have to explain what a, what a uh, let's just call it a misguided dirt hole I am, right? Who do I need to fix? What, what's wrong? What's broken? Oh, my God. And it, then it just settled over me because I was only a few days sober. And I remember it was like it was like it was like what John the Baptist is talking about when 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 he baptizes Jesus and then God speaks and then this Holy Spirit, which the book calls the sunlight of the Spirit. And it was because it was morning and the sunlight just came in the window and it was like it it descended on me like a dove. And I heard, No one, you're good. You didn't do anything bad last night. You were a gentleman. And you had a good time. And you don't owe anyone an apology. Oh my God, my heart feels great right now remembering it. Oh, and then the air conditioner comes on and I feel that cool air descend on me like a dove. Thanks, God. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Why? Because we have one focus. I think this is misread oftentimes. I think this is misread, it's misinterpreted that it says, okay, you know, tradition five, don't talk about addiction. Don't talk about other drugs, you know? So for a while, I used to just go, okay, to keep the old timers happy, um, I will say that my alcohol came in many forms. I could snort it, I could smoke it, I could drop it, I could shoot it, it was all alcohol. And everybody'd laugh. Or then I'd tell him, I said, you know, one time I had just a little, we didn't call it meth, we called it speed, right? A little bit of speed. But it wasn't enough to get high on. And I, there was a little bit of bourbon in the bottom of the, the, the bottle. So I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll mix them together and shoot them up. <laughs> so the question is, am I an addict or an alcoholic? <laughs> if I shot up my booze, what am I? Right? Who cares? That's not what this is about. This is about laser perfection, laser point. This is about keeping the scalpel that God uses to cut that cancer out. What cancer? The cancer that is all those desires. What is that on? 60. Deep resentments. No, what is the... uh, you know what I'm talking about, desires. Oh, maybe it's in here. Right? When our desires have grown out of... Right? They drive us blindly. What, what page is that on? Come on, speak up. Nobody knows. Like, I don't know. I don't read that freaking book. What are you talking about? Okay, all right. If I can't find it right now, then I will... Uh, Okay, here's here step four. 
This is, it's, it's in the big book and in here, and I'll find it in the big book if I want to, right? Because I got it here. Now, now, I'm, now I'm like a dog on a freaking tennis ball. Now I got to find it, right? My OCD is kicked in, and it's like, okay, I'm going to find somebody. Somebody, are they not texting in to tell me what page it is? There are people bigger and smarter than me, right? What is it? We ask God to show us the same. Their resentments are number one. See, the trouble is my whole book is highlighted. <laughs> God, I offer something we sincerely took. What is it? Okay, 55 is where we find God. Um, what is it going to say? This is, what is our choice to be? Here are a thousand men. Okay, I'm going to give up in about three more pages. Okay, one, two, uh, three. Okay, that's enough. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> All right, yet these instincts, that's our cancer, right? Our instincts, our desires have grown cancerous. So necessary for our existence, often far exceed their proper purpose. Powerfully, blindly, many times subtly, they drive us. They dominate us, and they insist upon ruling our lives, right? They're cancerous. When we started, pride was God-given. I am proud of my daughter. I am proud of my parents and how much they've, they've achieved in their lives and they're still alive and healthy. God bless them. All three of them. Mom, dad, and stepmom. Awesome. I'm proud of my own achievements. But when pride grows cancerous and it becomes vanity, then all is vanity. It's worth nothing, right? My, a desire I have to be with another person on an Eros level of love, right? That's wonderful. That's not selfish. I can do that. I can be giving erotically love. I can have a lover. That's, and the book says that. However, when it grows cancerous, it becomes lust. And it becomes, mm, 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 mm. Or more appropriately, boom, 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 boom. Holy cow. Wrong way? I thought a left was no and a right is right. I don't know. See, I don't know. I still go to the supermarket and hang out by the cucumbers. That was a reference to Animal House, by the way, you know, if you didn't, didn't know. These instincts, so necessary for our existence, often far exceed their proper function. Powerfully, blindly, many times subtly, they drive us, dominate us, and insist upon ruling our lives. Our desires for sex, for material and emotional security, and for an important place in society, often tyrannize us. When thus out of joint, a man's natural desires cause him great troubles. Practically all the trouble there is. No human being, however good, is exempt from these troubles. Nearly every serious emotional Problem can be seen as a case of misdirected instinct. When that happens, our great natural assets, the instincts, have turned into physical and mental liabilities. And they must be removed. And we are powerless to remove them. But God, a power greater than ourselves, a higher power, that power is God. May you find him now. God, as we understood him, as described in the big book in the 12 and 12, uses a scalpel, a spiritual scalpel, and takes that out. And if we, by our own actions, dull that scalpel 
it makes our primary purpose more difficult. It can actually make it so difficult that the scalpel, just an analogy, is so dull it can't work. Because now that razor-perfect point of alcoholism gets broadened a little to include drug addiction and then broadened a little to include codependency and sexual obsessions and gambling and all the stuff that is, you know, overeating and undereating and all the stuff that is associated with alcoholism, it starts broadening the tip of that scalpel so it's so dull it can't get in. Because we have to include everyone. We serve no one. That's what it's about. So, so there's a simple thing. You can download this. A four-page pamphlet says from AA, and it's other problems than alcohol and there are just four questions right can i i I can i I, it's a pdf so i've got it stored on 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 whatever my ip ibooks that's what it is right it says can some can a pill popper that that are high on those goofballs and (laughs) right reds and black beauties Right, white crosses and second all and two and all and f- I won't say it. F it all. <laughs> that was my favorite drug, F it all. Mm. No cares at all. Um, it says, can they, and, and they don't have an alcohol problem, can they be a member of AA? And it says, no. It says, can we bring them to an open meeting? Yes. If they come to a bunch of open meetings and do all the steps, can we allow them to believe they're a member? No. Why? Because Not because of them, but because we have to keep this razor sharp. Now, I've not found, I know they exist, but I've not found any drug abusers that didn't abuse alcohol. That's me. I'm a trash can. I could go to almost, I could go to 40 Anonymous, I could be, I could be, uh, 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 what was the protagonist in Fight Club, right? Who met Myra, right? Not Tyler Durden, uh, Tyler Durden's real self. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. I, I am Joe's AA meeting. I could go to almost any of those anonymous meetings because I, I suffer from all that. However, God has put me here to this one purpose, to help other alcoholics, because I didn't even know I was an alcoholic when I came in. I started, cocaine, I went into CA because there was young people and because my first sponsor was CA and he took me there. So God brought me there and I got sober there and I stayed there several years, about, about five years. And then after my fifth year, relocated back into uh, South Florida and there were very few CA meetings. So I started going to AA and my sponsor was AA. God led me here. Right? The key. There's another, there's another reference to the key here. Right? When, 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 uh, oh, I'm on step four. I got to get back here. Tradition five. When, um, I believe it was Bill, right, is talking to the, uh, that red faced, stubborn Irishman. And he was red faced, I believe, because he was angry, not because he was a soulless ginger. Right? What a guy. This guy's terrible. Okay, here we are. 
the key, right? The key. There's another key. Thank you. I lost my place, and now I have to come back. On page 153, when Bill is talking to this, to this drunk who, says, who said this. This is great. He says, uh, Dr. Silkworth says, uh, oh, by the way, this is great. Restless one to quote, restless one day. Anybody feel restless out there? A little restless being locked up in your house? Hey, if you're a Florida man, you're allowed out. <laughs> you can tongue kiss homeless people. It's all right, man. You can go, I hang out. I was hanging out at the bus stop last night, you know. It was great. It was great. Two guys on a bus stop, both in masks. Restless one day, I felt I'd better do some 12-step work. The newcomers say, what's that? Maybe I should take out some insurance against a slip. Slip is a very uh, nice word for a fall. <laughs> I, I slipped a lot, man, but I didn't fall, right? No. A fall comes right with that slip. That's the problem. Slips are okay. Falls, you can bust your front teeth. Ask anybody. But first, I'd have to find a drunk to work on. So I hopped the subway to Towns Hospital, where I asked Dr. Silkworth if he had a prospect. Silkworth says, nothing too promising, the little doc said. You didn't know there's little doc in this book, did you? <laughs> the little doc said, there's just one chap on the third floor who might, po be, might be a possibility. He's an awfully tough Irishman. I never saw a man so obstinate. He shouts, see, because he's closeted gay, I'll prove it. He shouts that if his partner would treat him better and his wife, a.k.a. Beard, would leave him alone, he'd soon solve his alcohol problem. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All the gay people are going, yes! <laughs> he had a partner and his wife, yeah. No, no, he meant business partner. Come on, come on. Gays weren't invented when they wrote this book. <laughs> he said if he could just get him to leave him alone, he'd solve his alcohol problem. He had a bad case of the DTs, delirium tremors. He's pretty foggy, and he's very suspicious of everybody. Doesn't sound too good, does it? But working with him may do something for you. So why don't you go, why don't you have a go at it? Right? And it goes in to talk about it. He talks about the hopelessness of his dilemma. Ooh, we talked about that Monday on the big book, right? Dilemma, choice of two things. Die, two, in Latin, two. Lemma, to choose. Right? It's uh, powerlessness. That was our dilemma. Not doesn't mean that was our problem. It means I could not choose to drink or not drink. I could not choose between an alcoholic death or spiritual way of life. I couldn't choose. I have no power to make that choice. You talk to a guy who says, I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to relapse because I just, I can't pray, I can't meditate. Tell them, yeah, because you're powerless. Maybe you ought to ask for some power to pray and meditate instead of trying to use your willpower to pray away the fact that you can't pray or meditate. I know it's crazy, right? So, so, he says, what really, this is the whole story, and you should read it yourself. And finally, Bill says to the guy, let's call him Mike. That's a good, right? That's a good Irish name. Sounds like 
Mickle. Mickle. Mike. Okay. It's a little, you'll have to figure that one out. He says, what really rocked him, right? I think you're just a conceited Irishman who thinks he can run the whole show. Boom. See, and what happens here, this is, this is the key to our singleness of purpose. It's not to be AA police. It's not to say, um, you're not allowed to talk about Jesus in this meeting. You're not allowed, allowed to talk about Muhammad, Allah, Confucius, Tao. You're not allowed to talk about Zoroaster. You're not allowed to talk uh, uh, about Moses or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? You're not allowed to talk about them because this isn't a non-religious program. You know, that's baloney. <laughs> Got you up. That's baloney. That's not, a, that's not, he says here, he goes, he goes, oh, I see. You, what do you guys get out of this? And he says, nothing. There's no cost. Well, what is, what, 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 what's the deal for you? There's nothing. He goes, we're, we're just going to talk to you about how it can be done. It's a spiritual thing. Oh, he goes, okay, you're proselytizing. All right, I got you. You got a lot of nerve because I'm an Irish Catholic. I go to my church. I'm close to my, my priest. I got all this. And Bill goes, thank God I had the right answer. That the right answer is none of that matters. I'm not selling a brand of spirituality. The only thing I have to offer is the message. See, I want to hear from my Muslim brothers about how the Quran applies to what they get in the book. I want to hear, from, you know that Jesus was quite aware of Confucius. He was quite aware of the Tao. He was aware, you know that, that uh, Socrates had all been published by the first century. Jesus probably read that stuff. He certainly studied Buddhism because it's all through his, his speaking. He was certainly exposed to Zoroasterism because all of Christianity is based on the teachings of Zoroaster, probably 1,500 years B.C., right? 500 years before King David. There's no doubt that Jesus knew all these things. Does he mention in there, he goes, you are effed up because you are pagan, or he knew about the Egyptians. He doesn't say any of that stuff, Right? We, we shouldn't be doing that here either. This isn't about not letting, you know, Joe talk about pills he took. If he's an alcoholic, he can talk about them. If he's an alcoholic, he can talk about how his wife came back into his life and now he wants a drink. He can talk about how his daughter uh, was in a car wreck and they gave her a bunch of painkillers. And they're sitting in the medicine cabinet going, Bill, come and see me. And he can talk about that. And he goes, because I want to get away from it. I want to go drink. Right? I may be the alcoholic that goes, none of you alcoholics are like me. Until one guy gets up and goes, you know, I was listening, like I said before the meeting, I was listening to Johnny Cash sing Hurt. And I was meditating, and that song came on. And all of a sudden I went, oh, my God. I don't have to be a junkie to, I, I can be a guy sitting at a bar and every word 
applies to me. I can be a guy that is just so down on himself that every word applies to me. See, we need our, our primary purpose is to save the lives of other people, right? We have a key. He said, okay, when I said, not, not, okay, he says, I think you might have more faith than me, Bill says. He goes, you know, might know the Bible more than that. I'm not here selling that. He says, here's my point. I think you're a conceited Irishman who thinks he can run the whole show. Pow, dead on target, right? Triple 20, as we say in darts. Right? This really rocked him. But as he calmed down, he began to listen while I tried to show him that and write this down. Humility was the main key to sobriety. Right? I know we go to meetings and it says willingness is the key. Right? Willingness is not the key to sobriety. Willingness is the key that opens the door to the path where there's a sign that says, here is a way to a faith that works. Willingness is the key to faith. Humility is the key to sobriety. Right? So the main thing that this, that this, this tradition wants me to know, right? The key. The main thing is that page 77 is my purpose in life. In the big book. Right? Top of page 77. Our real purpose. I love religion. I love all different religions. I am not a follower of all different religions. But I don't think less of you. See, because I, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a freak. I'm a weirdo. Anyway, but what I think is I think that my path, God has me going off this path. It doesn't matter what you are to God and me. God says along my path, I'm supposed to bring this message. You don't have to drink anymore. That you can find God. Now, I want to leave this. I said before that I'm a nonprofit, right? God has shown me how to spin through these books, these four books, straw into gold. But I don't keep the gold. I pass it on. I have all the gold I want, the spiritual gold I want. Where is it? Right here, right? All the spiritual gold I want into the family afterwards. Okay, we talk about father who, who finally gets sober, right? That's me. I just wasn't a father. The newcomer feels he has struck something better than gold. You know, Solomon said in Proverbs that wisdom has a greater value than rubies, right? So he's, he struck something better than gold. For a time, he might try to hug the new treasure to himself. Right? I'm here, I'm here no longer to stay sober. I'm here to achieve a new level of spirituality. Whereas every 24 hours, I'm hopefully somehow taking a step on that path towards faith, which makes me a better human being than I could have ever been without being an alcoholic. Thank God I have this disease. It threw me into, onto a path that I couldn't have found that I was searching for with all sorts of spiritual drug use, right? And I found it by falling off a bar stool, right? Here it is. So I don't, I don't hold it to myself anymore. 
The way I get to that higher place, it says in, in the 12 and 12, it's a, it, it, we can't keep this unless we give it away. And here it is on page 129. He may not see it once, but later we do see this. He has barely scratched a limitless load of something better than gold, which will pay dividends, which will multiply only if he mines it for the rest of his life. We don't get 20 years and disappear, right? 30 years and disappear, 40, unless God calls you home, brother. Will only pay dividends only if he mines it for the rest of his life and insists on giving away the entire product. I'm a not-for-profit, though I generate a lot of gold. And at the end of this, years later, this tough Irish customer liked to say, quote, my sponsor sold me one idea, not who God was, not how I can find God, not the spirituality of the program, all infinitely important, all so important we cannot measure how important those facts for us all are. But he says he sold me on that first day only on one idea. The message he carried was, and that was sobriety. That's what we sell these people first. Because God isn't going to hear a drunk's prayer very well. Because I can't even understand him. <laughs> he says, at the time, I couldn't have bought anything else. That's all, that's all, I'm powerless, remember? The drunk we're working with is powerless. The newcomer is powerless. The only thing they can possibly look at is like, could I have one day of sanity and 15 minutes of being happy, joyous, and free? That would be awesome. And we offer that. And then once they get the key, that humility, right? The key to sobriety they humbly offer it to others. And that's what grows us. We're all one group. We're all together in this for the rest of our lives. And I'm so proud to be part of this group. And I hope to see you next week. My name is Doc Alcoholic. All right, thank you, Doc. Um, and now we have our secretary's report, and we got Chris doing that tonight. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Chris, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, why don't you go ahead and contribute to your local inner group or New York? They could uh, really use it. Now I have uh, asked, Joseph, would you be willing to come up here and read the recovered statement? Uh, we'll read the recovered statement to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. Joseph. How you doing? I'm Joseph, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Uh, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than the body. 
We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you. 1940s style big book sponsorship from the forward of the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Could I please have a show of hands or spirit fingers in the Zoom room uh, for recovered alcoholics? Recovered alcoholics? Okay. And then anybody in need of a sponsor, go ahead and reach out to anybody who's doing this or, uh, or, or who is a qualified sponsor. And uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's get these folks back to God. Is it the last meeting of the month yet? What day is it? It's the... Thursday? It's not. We got one more meeting this month. So next month, next week, it'll be, yeah. What, what year is it? I think there's an election this year, isn't it? Not, not my primary purpose. Please join us Monday nights when the big book study comes, big book study meeting where the big book comes alive. We got um, Doc, Mike Chase, and Bill. And between them, I think we got about 75 years of sobriety up there talking about the big book, uh, speaking the language of the heart. It's an excellent meeting. I've been enjoying it. And, uh, even non-alcoholics have been enjoying it, I heard. They've been sneaking in and listening. So uh, that starts at 6. Yes, Wednesday, Little River. There's going to be a meditation meeting. It's going to be... Meditation, education. Meditation, education. 20 minutes of it is going to be a guided doc meditation, and it's going to be different themes of meditation. And so check that out. I know I will be checking it out. And it's going to, what time is it? 8.30. I'm going to be carpooling. Zoom and flesh and bone. Flesh and bone. I like that. That's like the the secret society, right? The flesh and bone club. Um, No no opinion on on that. Okay. So, but yeah, Uh, check it out. We have CDs, mugs, large print, big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. Also, we meet here every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15. We ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery saxophone solo. See you next week. (laughs) Um, And let us close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Body's heavy, soul is thirsty, body's aching. Yeah.
accumulation. Possessions that I have amount to nothing at all. And I am willing to hand over every one of them. Cause they won't profit me anything in the end. On my own, I just Yes, the sun 
shining through. But when you crying, you bring on the rain. So stop your sighing, baby. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. 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 Everywhere
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. The fog is lifted, 
see the light. Count my blessings when I go to sleep at night, and I dream now. Yeah, I dream now, and everything's alright. <laughs> oh man, going on ten years old that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. one, don't you?
Got one man that just won't send me 